Welcome back for another week. We are going to begin Parak Hay. Our learning is dedicated to Leo Nishmat Rivka Bat Yaakov Halevi and for Rufu Shema for Tila Bat Yavad Chaya Tova, Bracha Vigal Bat Rachel Gito, Yedidia Chaya, Menaviva Rivka Chaya, Moshalimela Halevi Ben Basha, and Shadokim for all in need. So we start Parak Hay. Parak Hay starts off with the Pasak Vahikishma, Komalchia Moria Shabbeevar Yardain, Yama, Vukomalchia, Nania Sharayam, Eta Shovisha, Shanea Yardain, the Tabne Sel, Ad Avram, Vimaslovabam, Beloyabam, Oduach, the Tabne Sel. And it was when the kings of the Amori and, uh, and the kings of Canaan uh, all heard what happened, uh, how God had split and dried the Yamsuf, and their hearts melted, and they had no uh, strength left to fight uh, against the Jewish people. And the question is, why is this Pasuk here? We know this already. Rachel tells it to us. We, we, we get the sense that this is the case. And what is significant to the words, Vayikishmoa? So Mahatan points out that to understand the Perak properly, we have to understand the topography, the lay of the land. So if you take a look at the map, you'll see that Eretz Yisrael basically is divided up into sections. To the east, as you come closer to, uh, to the Yardin, you have the land of the Amori. The Amori lived in the hills, and they would be among some of the earlier battles that the Jewish people would fight. And then he says, if you take a look at the left, the west of the land, you're going to see the Kanani that lived in the flat land. Those people um, had a different kind of land and a different kind of lifestyle. But even if you look up north, you'll notice that there is valleys and mountains. And what the topography does is it creates a bunch of separate areas. And so that kind of leaves us with the question, is this a positive or a negative? Is this an advantage to the Jewish people or is it a disadvantage? So if you think about it, there actually is a tremendous bracha to the Jewish people. Eretz Yisrael is not going to be a land, even though we call it Eretz Canaan to date, it's not going to be a land that's going to have one king. It is incredibly challenging to hold uh, a nation together in it. Why? Because everybody is lived, living and tucked into a different place. So it's not shocking that we're going to find out later that there are 31 kings that live in Israel. And even though Chazal tell us part of that was everybody wanted a tvisa, everybody wanted a piece of Eretz Yisrael, perhaps more simply, the reason for this was, was that every single person or every single king had their own city-state in their own nook and valley. Here living in Beit Shemesh, you can see it, that you have on top of these high mountains, ancient uh, ruins of what used to be cities, but they were so far away from the other city in terms of um, not only geography, but also just the way it would be impossible to defend both at the same time, the massive valley in between. You get the sense that there was a sense of living independently, okay? And that could be why Pasuk Hay is, uh, what, what Parak Hay Pasuk Aleph is adding for us. It's explaining to us the significance of what the Jews are about to face. They're facing 31 separate kings that are all terrified. What do we do with the word Vayikishmoa? So it's a little bit of a spoiler alert, but let's go over the entire Perek as it goes with Perek, Gimel, Dalit. Perek, Gimel, and Dalit 
focus on the Jewish people crossing over the Jordan River. And then the 12 stones, two times process. Then we have Perakei, Pasuk Aleph, this introduction of what's going on. And then we have the beginning of Perakei, which is Brismila, massive circumcision of a lot, a lot of Jewish people. And we end with Korban Pesach. How does Pasuk Aleph fit in to the middle? And what do we do with the words Vayihi Kishmoa? So for this, I want to share with you a, a, a paragraph from Rav Yigal Ariel. He says, Really, this Pasuk would do better to be placed at the beginning of Paragvav. But it is put specifically in between the crossing of the Jordan and the stones, which are deep spiritual endeavors, and says that the conquest, both physically, that's the war, and the spiritual pieces of it are all intertwined together. By putting in the middle the, the enemies that the Jewish people were about to face, miracle, miracle, reality, spiritual, spiritual activities, what God is telling, says Ravigal Ariel, is don't think that you can compartmentalize. Don't think that you have my religious life and I have my spirit and I have my physical life. No, no. We believe that the two of them, it is part of one process. And that is a a, a symbolic message that's going to describe the entire kibush that the Jewish people will have all together. Pasuk bet. Ba'etai was at that time, Amar Hashem el Yoshua, Selecha Charvot Tzirim, Veshuv Mol Epenei Yisrael Sheini. At that point in time, what does God say? God says, make for yourself Charvot Tzirim. What are charvot surim? If you take a look at the left corner of the screen, charvot surim, flint stones. I can't believe my whole life I never thought about this, but I put in, I wanted to show what does a flint stone look like? I put it into Google, figuring I'm going to get a beautiful Google image of what it looks like. So if you take a look at the picture on the right, that's what, oh, that is what a flint stone looks like. It is a sharp stone that you can use to cut something. It's perfect for Mila. But obviously, um, when I put in Flint stones, Google felt that uh, perhaps I had spelt it as two words instead of one, and it gave me a picture of, uh, of Fred. I would imagine many of us will remember it at this point much better simply because of that. Okay, so make these, take these charvot surim, and what are you supposed to do? Meshub mol b'nei a mass circumcision of the Jewish people a second time. Pasuk. And he does that, and they he circumcises the Jewish people in this place that is now called Givat Aralot. Givat is a pile of Aralot of foreskins. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of people that are getting 
ברית מילה. וזה הדבר אשר מעל יהושע כל העם היוצא ממצרים, הזכרים, כל אנשי המלחמה מתו במדבר בדרך צאתם ממצרים. This is what happened. All of the people um, got ברית מילה, because the only people that had a ברית were those that had left the uh, Mitzrayim. But anybody that had been born in the desert did not. It's about to ask the question. He says, It's impossible. You can't tell me that no one was circumcised at all. First off, you have anybody that was under 20, so the 17-year-olds, the 15-year-olds, the 10-year-olds, they had left Egypt circumcised. They would also be circumcised. And we know, midrashically, that Shevet Levi did not um, forego Mila. So he says that maybe what, what are we saying is that most people didn't have a full belief in Hashem. And so those people, they did not do Brit Mila. But there were those, those people, they, they, got, they got Mila. But those that were not complete with God, and they did not get Mila. And Moshe's Beitin did not force them. So why didn't they get why didn't they get Mila during this time? So again, there's a couple of possibilities. One possibility is that um, they were constantly on the move. And if they're constantly on the move, says, says uh, the Madrish, what would happen? It was dangerous. And another possibility is there was a northern wind that's supposed to come. And that northern wind has healing powers. And that northern wind did not come for the entire time that they're in the desert. And so therefore, what happens is they don't feel that it's safe to do a Brit Milah. And therefore, they forego it for 40 years. What's interesting, Rabbi Hatton points out, is that Rashi and Radak, who quote these different explanations, say, by, by doing this, they actually shift the blame to Hashem. If they were constantly on the move, they only moved because Hashem made the cloud move. Therefore, it can't be that you could blame the Jewish, the, the, uh, Jewish people. It must be that it's sort of Hashem. And similarly, if it's the northern wind, we don't control the winds. Okay, so that is where we are at this point. Because everybody that left Egypt was circumcised. It's only afterwards that they're no longer circumcised. It's a lot of psukim to tell us about the Mila, but we're told that for 40 years, the nation, the warriors, the, the people that had left that were old enough to conquer the land, God wipes them out slowly because they didn't listen to God. So even though Rashi and Radak introduced the idea that perhaps it's a little bit on God that there wasn't Mila, there is an indictment of the people at this point that, remember, the generation that left Egypt was not able they did not merit to come into the land. Yoshua takes the next generation and he does Mila for them. They were Arelim. They had not been circumcised along the way. 
when they were all done, everybody had They sit for three days, or for some days, in the machne ad chayotam until they were chayotam. Till they, Rashi says, until they were uh, better from the wound that was inflicted upon them. Interesting. This is on the the eleventh, the tenth day, the eleventh day. Now, what is it? Three days later, they can bring carbon face out. But Rabbi Alex Israel asked an amazing question. He says, "Isn't this crazy? You're about to enter the land of Israel to conquer it, and you cripple the entire army." You take the entire army and give them a bris milah? What, what, why does this make sense? What are we doing? So let's hold off on that for just a moment. Put that on the back burner. But hopefully we'll be able to answer that question. So what does God say? Today I have removed the cherpa. I've removed the embarrassment of Egypt from upon you. The place is given the name Gilgal Ad Hayomazeh. So God says, I remove the Kherpa Mitzrayim from upon you. So what, what does this mean? So Rashi offers an amazing answer, an answer that we're sort of familiar with. I removed the embarrassment of Egypt. Shayu Omrim. Because people said, Before the Jewish people left Egypt, Egypt said, we know it's going to happen. There is Ra'ah. There is a star. There is a, a star out there, and its name is Ra'ah. And it is a sign of blood. We know it's going to be in the desert. This is what Moshe says when he defends the Jewish people. He says, God, you can't kill them. Why are you going to say that Ra'ah, that star, took them out? Because the Egyptians did not know that this was the blood of Yoshua. And when they got circumcised in the days of Yoshua, and the blood spilled from Mila, who to a cherpa. The cherpa was gone. Because it was still amongst them, people that had left with him from Egypt, not wholehearted Jews. And now everybody would say, Ra'a, the cherpa that had been traveling with them since Mitzrayim for 40 years, of saying that they were going to get, they were going to be, be attacked, smitten. By Ra'ah, it turned out it was nothing. The blood was Dam Milo. That's how Rashi understands the Apostle. Radak says, Radak says, The fathers left Mitzrayim and their children were Arelim. Just like the Egyptians. And we know the Arla is it's an abomination. That is how we view it. Again, that's Galotia Kherpa Mitzayim Aleichem. 
beautiful idea by Rav Yigal Ariel. The Egyptians, how did they behave? They behaved in a way that was wrong. They were very, very, very unfaithful. They were prutsim. As the Pasuk says, don't be like the Egyptians. What happened? The Jewish people that were in Egypt, they became covered in that Tumah. But Mila is what separates us from the nations. The Jews couldn't leave Mitzvahim until they were circumcised. They're now about to become fully free. They're getting rid of two things. The idea of Galut. The fact that they were what? They were in exile. And the and the and the tomb of Mitzrayim. Brit Milao Brita Aretz Kshuro Yachat says Ravigalario Mila and the Aretz are are tied to one and the same. That is perhaps what's going on here. Rabbi Hatton does say that Mila is the ultimate demonstration of nationhood. We stamp upon every male the same signal symbol for a united people. And Mila is, uh, is unique, as is Karvim Pesach. They're the only two mitzvot that are mitzvot asset. But if you don't do them, you're chayv Now, let's move on to the next part. Okay, we the Jewish people. What did they do? Pasuk Tet. They were they did Mila. Pasuk Yud. And then it's on the fourteenth. The Jewish people at night. They bring carbon Pesach. Now, what's fascinating is that if you look in Parashat Bo, Parashat Bo, it's our Parashiot now. Parashat Bo has so much ink that's spent on carbon Pesach, and Mila is just alluded to. We know that you can't, an Ariel can't eat the carbon Pesach. So if the Jewish people are to eat the carbon Pesach, it must be that there was circumcision by Moshe. But there's not a word mentioned about it. We know Yechezkel, Miposeset, B'damayich, Romerlach, B'damayich, Romerlach, B'damayich, Romerlach, B'damayich, there, even though it's from Yechezkel, the two bloods, yeah, we know that, but it's not in the Pesukim themselves. And yet here, Pesach gets a lot less. The Jewish people were in Gilgal, they bring the Korban Pesach. Now Pesach is in the Torah several times. Pesach Mitzrayim, of course, famously from Parashat Bo. Pesach Yoshua, Perek Hay. You have the Pesach of Chizkiyahu, the Pesach of Yoshiahu, and the Pesach of Ole Bavel when they returned to Eretz Yisrael. Is that to say that those were the only Korban Pesachs that were brought? Now it's safe to assume that we didn't have a Korban Pesach from the time of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, other than Pesach, other than the first year and Pesach Sheni, until they come into the land of Israel. But it's hard to imagine that from Yehoshua we go years all the way until the times of Chizkiyahu and Melech, hundreds and hundreds of years without Pesach. It's not true. There were plenty of Pesachs. Plenty of Korban Korban Pesachs were brought. Why these? These are all special times. Times of renewal. 
in the wake of a long period of stagnation. The desert, they're now entering into the land of Israel. Chizkiyahu, Chizkiyahu lives at a time of spiritual revival for the Jewish people. Things were not going so well for the Jewish people. And now, all of a sudden, they're more religiously committed. Yoshiahu. Yoshiahu came at a time when the Jewish people did not know what the Torah was. They find the Sefer Torah, and people don't even know what to do with themselves. They don't know what it is. That's pretty, pretty mind-blowing. And yet Yoshiahu revives Judaism. The Torah makes it very clear that he brings back Torah. Reclaim yourself. Pesach Ole Bavel, the Jews are back in the land of Israel after 70 years of exile. All very, very special times. So what happens next? The Torah tells us, They eat from the land, the produce of the land. Pesach, and the day after Pesach, Amazing. sounds to us pretty familiar. Where do we have We have it by Jews leave So what happens here? The Jewish people all of a sudden are eating the produce of the land. Rashi says, They they eat. On the very day after, which is when we bring the Korban Omer, and then you're allowed to eat from the land. The man finally ran out. When they're eating from the food of the land, they ate from the produce of the land on that year. Okay? Amazing. Finally, have no man. Last, even though it stopped falling when Moshe Rabbeinu died, it lasted forty more days until they had enough food here, and now they're good. Okay, beautiful. They're finally in the land. What? Why do they eat the produce now? The Remmer, beautiful idea. He says that until now, the Jewish people were in the desert. What happened? They didn't live a natural existence. But they're now a nation. And what does a nation have to do? A nation, which the Jews as a nation of the desert don't do. A nation has to tend to its own needs. It has to take care of itself. It has its land. It has its economy. It has its food. That's what happens. So what happens is the nation is now ready to tend to its own needs. The stone ceremony, Nila, Korban Pesach, all those things that represent a, na- a shift from a nation eating man nation that's living miraculously to a real nation. That is where we find ourselves at this point. Before I move on, I'd like to ask a question. Why these two mitzvot? Mila, Korban Pesach. So, so I'll suggest two answers. The first answer is that what is unique about Mila is that it's a one-time deal. A person is born at eight days old, the male gets bris milah. Truth is, sacrifice that the kid doesn't even feel. But it's one time. And even if the child does not get bris milah, think about all the people from Russia that came as adults. They hadn't been circumcised for all those years in Russia. They come, now they have a chance. They have a chance to rectify that. To 
20 years old, 40 years old, 70 years old. You amazing, amazing stories. It's only one time. Carbon Pesach is every year. Carbon Pesach is every single year you do it. Every Tedvav Nisan. You dalit, you bring the carbon, Tedvav, you eat the carbon every single year. Another reason, and, and that's it's the synthesis of the individual of one time, once sometimes you need this big, big moment, and it's the constant over and over and over again. It's an, it's an amazing message to the Jewish people. You got to do big things once in a while, but some things you have to do over and over and over again. Another possibility, why these two mitzvot? We versus me. Why, how does, bris milah is a very personal mitzvah. It is something that is related to me and my body, and that's it. Karim Pesach, on the other hand, it's a collective. We get together. We become a community. I can't bring a carbon Pesach by myself. Even if I have such an unbelievable appetite that I can eat an entire lamb, now I'll bring the carbon Pesach by myself. I have to bring it with Tzibor. And has to be at least two people. But generally, it's your family, extended family, your block, people that you're friends with. It's your community. We versus me. Question is, is, there, is it possible that there's a third answer as to why we choose these three, these two mitzvot. And for that, I believe we need to take a look at the very end, Perek Hay. As we read this, I'm sure you will automatically, in your head, be like, hey, I know this story. Because we do know a story that's very similar to it. Yoshua is in Yericho. Nav, Bayar, Linegdo. He sees there's a man that's standing Lenegdo. The Kharbosh Mufabiado and his sword is stretched out. Bayelach Yoshua Lavayomer Lo Halanu Ataimutsarengu. Sure goes to him and says, Are you Halanu? Are you with us? Or are you with the enemy? Was Yoshua really concerned about the possibility that this angel was coming to attack the Jewish people? Was this an ace of story again? The Saru Shal Esav that attacks Yaakov. Vayomer lo. He says, no, kini sar bati. He says, I am the general of the army of God. I have come. Yeshua falls on his face and he bows down. Vayomer lo. He says to him, What do you have to say? The Gemara tells us a fascinating story. Kamara says, why did the angel come to him? The angel came to Yoshua and said, Yoshua, I can't believe it. You haven't even started the Kibusha Aretz. You haven't started yet attacking the land. And what have you done? You've become a slacker. You haven't learned your daily Torah. Can't be like that. Yoshua, you have to dedicate yourself to Limit Torah. It's a beautiful idea. But perhaps there's a little bit more to it than just that. So I share with you three pictures. Last week, I had the uh, unbelievable privilege to go with a good friend of mine, Davi Katz, to Yericho. Yes, Yericho. The ancient city of Yericho and the current city of Yericho. If anybody wants to know how to get there, uh, let me know. We went with army support, Baruch Hashem. We felt very supported the whole time by the many, many, many chayalim that, it, that came with us and protected our bus. 
But what is this picture that I'm showing you right here on the screen? It's a 2,000-year-old shul that dates back to the times of the Gemara Yerushalmi. It is at the edge of Yericho. Rashi says, where did this angel come? The edge of the city is like this city. The angel didn't come to him in Yericho itself. It's at the edge of Yericho. Last Friday, I posted a picture of Mavrota Yardain, our parak Paragimel, where the Jewish, Jewish people crossed over. Well, this is the picture that is in the place that they believe, that what happens there, it's the place that Yehoshua meets up with this angel, the Sar Hashem. So he says, what do you have to tell me? Pasuk Tedvav, last Pasuk in our Perek, Vayomer Sar Hashem Yehoshua, the angel of Hashem says to Yehoshua, Shal nalcha me'al raglecha, ki ha'makom asher ha'tahumed alav kodeshu. So he says to him, take off your shoes, Yehoshua. Because the land that you are sitting, that you're standing on, Kodeshu, it is holy. Vayas Yoshua came, Yoshua does that. The picture on the left is Bercha Kohanim, inside that shul, inside that shul. Shalna Lecha My friend who came with me, who is also a Kohen, Davi Katz took off his shoes. Shalna Lecha Mialraglecha Kodeshu. That place is holy. What is going on here? What is the angel saying to him? So first off, let's notice there is one difference. I'm sure at this point in time, you're saying to yourself, I know this story. This story is Moshe Rabbeinu. So if you take a look, Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, Shal Nalecha Me'al Raglecha. Nalecha. Here it's Na'alcha. That's one difference. But for the most part, it's the same thing. It's exactly the same word, same idea. What is going on here? So, is the place holy? The Jewish people have been hanging out in this land on the other side of Yericho by Gilgal for a few days now. Nobody said anything. It hasn't been a concern. Why all of a sudden now is this land holy? At least by Moshe, we know why. Why was the land holy? Because Moshe was where? Moshe was on Sinai, Chore. That is holy land. So what's going on here? What exactly are we supposed to understand? So, a beautiful idea that uh, Rabbi Hatton suggests. Rabbi Hatton suggests that the Jewish people are getting ready for war. They're at the edge, the outskirts of Yericho. They're about to battle. War is not, 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 war is not pretty. War is not something that one wants to do. But war, especially what the Jewish people are about to do to conquer their ancestral homeland, is something, it's a necessary step if they want to be the people that own the land of Israel. God is telling Yoshua, take off, take, your, take it off your feet. Why? Because I need you to understand that the land that you're standing on, it's holy, it's special. Attack it with holiness. War is not meant to be cruel. You're going to kill people. That you have no choice. But to kill for the sake of cruelty, that's unacceptable. God is giving Yoshua the playbook. He's saying, if you want to do this, 
do it right, do it properly. <sighs> Why is it, we're still left with Rabbi Alex Israel's question. Why is it that the Jewish people are all being circumcised? You're, you're paralyzing the entire army. So for that, we have to understand what the Malvim says. I'm sorry, the Barbanel. The Barbanel says, He says, I'm telling you why I'm here. Don't think that you're going to beat it and do it with your own physical strength. It's a holy land. It's going to be taken through the Yad Hashem. We have these two mitzvot. What is special about these two mitzvot? Yerit Mila and Karban Pesach that precede Yericho and its conquest. And what is the angel saying? These two mitzvot are covenantal. We have a covenant with God. We'll understand Eretz Yisrael is covenantal also. Gilgal, the place that they go to, Gilgal is a circle. They're closing the circle on the promised Avram Avinu. 400 plus years ago, Bripe Nabatarim, another covenant. God said the land is going to be yours. So Hashem says, now's the time. But to do it, understand, the land is Kodesh. Doesn't come to just anybody comes to you simply because you fulfill the, 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 the mitzvot of God. It is those mitzvot that you're doing that will save the day. The angel explains it all to, to Yoshua. You can paralyze the army because I'm the general. Hashem will do battle for you. Yoshua didn't know this. Yoshua now knows this, and now he gets ready for it. Perhaps that's the reason why it is just broken off slightly from Tereg Vav Pasuk Aleph. Really, that's the ne- that Pasuk should be the beginning, the end of Tereg It's the playbook. They don't know how are they going to be able to beat the city of Yericho. They are going to find out. When they find out what's going to happen, they will successfully beat the people of Yericho and they will win the war. Have a wonderful week. God willing, next week we will not only learn Paragvav, but I will share with you amazing pictures from Yericho, including possibly the House of Rachel. Have a great week. Learn well. Any feedback you have, send my way.